I knew it wasn't just me who was, you know, showing up in spaces where you're lazy, you're incompetent, you're not beautiful because of just size. Whether you big or small and your health is it, fix that first. But if you're literally just afraid to exist because people are like, oh, you fat, that's not cool. People be fat, people be skinny, people be gay, people be tall, people be short, people be broke, people just be people. I should see more bigger bodies in pictures where they feel confident without them always having a second guess, does this make me look fat or do I look bigger than what I am? But I think the pandemic saved my life. And the reason why is because I was at a breaking point where I was trying to do everything. If you wake up in the morning and you realize that you have another opportunity to seize the day, no matter how difficult it is, somebody is wishing to have that same opportunity. So don't let your body be the reason you don't continue to push forward. You only get one. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Heart is Wild podcast. My name is Chelsea Sanders, and I'm the CEO and founder of the creative agency called Blue Line. I'm a professional photographer, creative director, and a painter. Some would say I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've created film festivals, empowerment conference. I've owned an art gallery for 10 years. As you can tell, my passion is to keep creating. This podcast is for creatives and passionate people, for entrepreneurs and anyone who is willing to follow their heart. Through my 17 years of being an entrepreneur, I've met some amazing humans, and I'm on a journey to interview those people that have touched my life and captured their extraordinary vision. I'm looking forward to sharing these experiences and interviews with you so you can apply them to your own life. Let's get started. Today, I have an extraordinary person with me on the podcast, Elise Smith. She's the founder and CEO of her fatness fiction brand. Also, she has a Plus Size Magic Radio podcast, runs Plus Magazine, and is also an amazing photographer. Elise will tell us about her personal experience of having multiple marginalized identities in current society and how people with larger body size have to deal with prejudice and oppression against them over the course of their life. She's all about dispelling myths on body size and bringing awareness about people with bigger bodies. Later, Elise speaks about her challenging work-life balance, juggling numerous time-consuming activities. She shares what her passion and drive are for keeping up with this pace, and we get real about the pandemic and how it actually saved her from burning out. We also talk about the future, her ambitions to win a Grammy, and she leaves us with some life-changing advice. Prepare yourself for an intense conversation and enjoy the podcast. Hello, welcome to the podcast, Heart is Wild. How are you? I'm good today. How are you, Chelsea? I'm doing all, I'm doing all right. You know, spring, summer, 2021, I, you know. I'm done kind of complaining. COVID's been a year, so I'm just looking forward and it's easy to say what's wrong. So, but I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm really um, excited and honored to have you on my podcast. I know I have been on your podcast, but you are one of these superhumans that has been on my list to say, how do you do what you do? I have a million questions for you, but before we get started, could you briefly introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us something about yourself? Sure. My name is Elise. I like long walks on the beach, um, <laughs> preferably, you know, at midnight. No. Um, hey, everybody. My name is Elise Smith. I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. I am currently in Bloomington, Indiana, where I came to Indiana to start my master's in higher education student affairs. I graduated with that degree, entered into the urban education studies PhD program, where I look at the experiences of fat bodies, especially against intersectionality, critical race theory, Black feminist thought, and sense of belonging, just to name some of the frameworks and theories that I use. And since then, you know, I do work that includes photography, a podcast, a magazine, writing books, spoken word, 
I build houses. I've made three rocket ships. No, I'm lying. <laughs> but for the most part, the rest of the stuff was true. But, you know, just being here, even being a part of the Be Golden Conference where I first met, met Chelsea. Um, so I've, I've been sprinkled throughout the city in a plethora of ways. You know, I think I'm a hustler by nature and a scholar by night because that's usually when I do my homework. So hopefully that tells the people about myself until we get a little bit deeper. But if you have any questions, feel free to, you know, call my cell phone at 812. No, I'm lying. I ain't going to get my number. <laughs> Oh, that was the best elevator speech and getting it all into one. So I applaud you on that. Thank so you. I think I've been working on it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, when I first met you, I was like, you do, you do so much from the podcast and um, everything you're doing is like fantasy fiction, full-time PhD student. Before we jump in, I'm going to kind of focus on, you know, some of our, some of the past that I know about you, but uh, why don't you tell us some of this amazing news? New job? Oh, listen, I just got a new job. Everybody finally after being in school since preschool. So just think preschool up until third year PhD student, you add the years up. But um, I celebrated my 25th first day of school like a year ago. So, you know, I've been in school for a minute now, but I am the new assistant director of student diversity, equity, inclusion at the Paul H. O'Neill's School of Public and Environmental Affairs, aka SPIA at IUPUI. I start literally in a week or two and I am the first one role. So this role, I am the, you know, I am an ancestor. I am the inaugural person in this role. So I have a lot of big shoes to fill. I have a lot of great things to bring to the table. But me sharing that is not a, just a bragging moment, but I also want people to know in this quick tidbit, whatever you felt like you could never accomplish and do believe in yourself. When I turned in that application, I already believed I was going to get something or whether it was just an interview, second round interview, I was going to learn in that process. So never give up on your dreams, even in the midst of calamity, even with everything going on. So you know, shout out to the position, but it was more about trusting in myself and saying I deserve to be here and not, and you know, not having that imposter syndrome a lot of people think about. So, you know, hopefully in six months, I'll check back up with you and let you know if I burnt the school down by accident. So we'll see. Oh, I'm sure you're going to take the school to uh, new heights and new levels. So anyways, well, congratulations. I'm so, I'm so excited for you and um, you're so deserving. But what I'd like to do is start off on, um, you know, I want you to tell me a little bit about what your focus was in your PhD from the, you know, your podcast and fat and fiction. Tell me a little bit about on, you know, the, just the, what inspired that to be kind of like your focus over these past couple of years and shedding the light on just the problem in general and like, you know, just the common problems related to a person's weight, the people experience in just general society. Yeah, for sure. So fatness, just to tell you a little bit, fatness fiction is a brand that I came up with while I was in grad school. So around 27, the summer of 2017. And the reason why I came up with it, because in a lot of spaces, when I the room, you see that I'm female, you see that I'm black, you see that I'm fat. A lot of those identities, all of those identities have been marginalized and oppressed. And women have experienced trauma. Black people have experienced trauma with their blackness. Fat people have experienced trauma with their size. And so because of that, I have three of those, all three of those identities just from a, from just my phenotype, just standing there. Like when I come into that room, that's what people are going to automatically assume. They don't know that I'm a sister, a friend, you know, uh, an emotional person who's working through trauma. They don't know that I recently just got my, can I cuss on here? Yeah. Motherfucking heart broke. <laughs> like they, they don't know that, you know, I, I've been through all of these different things and that the fact that I have always had to push through because the world has viewed me 
in certain ways because of the way that I look, because of my identities. And, you know, in that space, I had to reflect a lot. I grew up, I was a, I was a chunkier kid. Like I wasn't the biggest kid in the world, but big kids don't get a lot of space. Like you, you can't laugh the same. You can't play the same because everybody's micromanaging and judging you a certain way. So when I got to my master's program at IU, we were sitting in a group in one of my classes. Shout out to Dr. Lucy Lapoe. She said, hey, if you know, if you were interested in PhD or research furthering outside of this space, what would you all like work on? So everybody went around and said certain things. And in that moment, I really didn't have an answer. But when it came to me, she said, you know, you know, with my turn, I was like, I will research the experiences of fat bodies. And for me, I was like, that's some dope shit I just said. I need to really do something with this. And so everybody was like, no, you're not fat. I'm like, if I piss you off, I become a fat bitch very quickly. I've been in this body for years. I know what that looks like. So I created Fatness Fiction with the podcast first to just interview individuals from all over, literally all over the world who would respond to a grad student's email just to say, you know, how do you define your body? How do you show up in certain spaces? What your experiences are? Because I knew it wasn't just me going through this. I knew it wasn't just me who was, you know, showing up in spaces where you're lazy, you're incompetent, you're not beautiful because of just size. So I wanted to intentionally make a space where we could challenge that narrative. And I knew I was probably going to get pushed back. And then the whole body positive movement came into play, which, you know, scholars have been doing this work, well, more like social media and activists have been doing this work as well. But I wanted to take a scholarly approach because I saw that when we look at Eurocentric beauty standards and who's centered, I wanted to make that space and that opportunity for us to flourish. So do I do photography on anything? Yes, let me know. But I intentionally did that because so many people say the camera adds 10 pounds and you don't look good. And I remember being afraid to take pictures. Now, as soon as somebody whip out a camera, I'm about to pose the way that I feel comfortable to make it happen. And I think they come out, you know, you can see that joy from there. So the last photo shoot I did, one girl was just like, yo, like, I've never felt beautiful. Like, they always catch me. Like, I got a double chin. I'm not trying to hide it. But wow, I look crazy when y'all take it. She was like, you, you made me feel beautiful for the first time ever in my life. And she was turning 25. So, you know, I just remember those faces. So that's a big reason why I did the work, because the problem is just because someone has a certain size doesn't mean they're automatically unhealthy. Every fat body is not unhealthy and every thin body is not healthy. So it's like I'm I'm asking for that space and that opportunity to exist. And to do that, I had to use social media activism, visual activism as a photographer and just my creative nature to create a space where you can hear our stories and not tell our stories and where I'm open to pass the mic. So I know that was like five minutes worth of content, but. I hope y'all understood. I totally kind of been hanging on to the moment where you said you can't tell our stories, but you can hear them. Tell me a little bit more about the experience of, you know, some of the people that you photographed or that you've had on the podcast. What's your process like to get them to share a story? And what do you specifically talk about? So twofold. So I'll start with the podcast first. So, you know, I'm a person that believes in hard work, but also I believe that if you have the faith, and if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. So I, I generated an email that is still structured pretty professionally. So people understand that I'm not just like, hey, you fat, I'm fat, want to get on a podcast? Like, excuse me? So what I do is in my email, you know, I say, hello, my name is Elise Smith. I'm a grad student. You, you Using the fact that I do this as research, and honestly, because it's research, I think that has opened a lot of doors for me because it's not just me having this generalized conversation. I'm not just trying to, you know, do like I'm, I'm telling you, I want our stuff to be an academic book. So that way people before and after us could be like, I don't have to go through this body dysmorphia the rest of my life. You only get one body. So why would you live in a life where you're unhappy with it? If you want to make changes, hey, be my guest. Whether you big or small and your health is it, fix that first. But if you're literally just not, you're afraid to exist because people are like, oh, you fat? That's not cool. 
Like people be fat, period. People be fat, people be skinny, people be gay, people be tall, people be short, people be broke, people just be people. So why I can't handle all the issues of the world, but I know what it felt like to get treated bad because I was bad, because I was black, female and fat. So I wanted to create a space. I sent an email, I tell them about my work, like, hey, you know, I intentionally look at fat bodies. Here's the frameworks that I use, some of the ones that I mentioned earlier. You know, I've actually watched you as a model or a dancer or an actor or a teacher or an activist. I've seen your work and I've studied your page to an extent. Would you like to have this conversation? More people did not respond. I have had some people who didn't play me, had me sitting there waiting to never come on it because they still look at fat as negative. And I'm like, I'm trying to rewrite this narrative because fat doesn't necessarily mean negative. Let's change that. So with the podcast, you know, people get on there so excited. Like, oh my God, I'm so glad you're doing this work. And sometimes I overbook myself with having too many interviews. And then when I got to do the one to recruit, you know, do the interview, then edit and post and plus being full-time student, I will say it has taken a toll on me. I had to take a step back because it's like, that's a lot of work for one person to do when you're not getting paid for it. So my whole goal was like kind of relaunch and rebranding is get, being able to release those older episodes that still have content and then move forward and just continue this work, especially on the academic level. So the podcast is just a space for them to talk. And I share the mic because I can keep telling you all my stories as a fat kid. But if I bring somebody else in and we can communicate and link up, you're like, oh, this is just not her story. Um, as far as like photography, I used to go on, you know, prior to COVID, which I'm looking at figuring how can I do it again. But I went on photo shoot tours with me and my car with over 100,000 miles on there now have went all from driven to New York, to Atlanta, to Chicago, back to Memphis, Detroit. Like I've driven more hours in a semester than I've probably driven in my entire life, plus being a student. And my reason for the photo shoot tour was to go to cities where I know bigger bodies were, invite them in have a photo shoot where it's all, you know, the sense of belonging with all these different people here. We targeting the the opportunity to say like, if I want to be in lingerie, I don't feel bad because it's another bigger body. We're making this space. So, so I started photography probably in the early 2000s because I was always interested in it. I always felt like photography was one of those things to help you capture a moment because I grew up very interested in like film and video, especially music videos. I really wanted to go to school to <laughs> direct music videos at one point, but I think for me, what ended up happening was I was able to look through, like every time I would look through my eyes, it was almost capturing a moment. So I picked up a camera and then I was doing random photo shoots and I was like, what's my purpose? What's my angle? So once I started doing work around bigger bodies, I decided to say, you know, I still do photography, landscape, portrait, whatever, but I want to intentionally be known as a photographer that does photo shoots for plus size bodies simply because they say the camera adds 10 pounds a lot of bigger bodies don't like their pictures they're not posed correctly you know I can do the same pose as somebody else it just looks a little different and you have to modify it and I'm willing to do that and so many people have felt beautiful and strong and confident after doing a photo session with me and it ties into my work is because we're deserving of a good photo too you know every time growing up I will see fat body taking a picture of it always looked like they were out of breath or they didn't look comfortable and I just wanted to intentionally make sure I changed that narrative so it feeds into my work because it gives me the opportunity to be creative to make sure that they're beautiful to make sure that they are seen in ways that the rest of the world feels like they may not like I should see more bigger bodies in pictures where they feel confident without them always having a second guess does this make me look fat or do I look bigger than what I am so I truly enjoy photography in that space because all it's always for me after that first shot I'd be hyping people I was like oh you look yeah and I, I really be in that moment like that's how you do it and when I flip that camera around and they take a look at that screen and they light up like that's me 
that's my favorite part. So that's why I do photography, because I remember at one point in time, I was afraid of a camera because I didn't want the world to capture me and my size and my bigness because it wasn't acceptable. So I want people to feel good. And I do that in my work. And how do you, I mean, I think that's all also about, you know, being a fellow photographer, working with people in front of the camera and also bringing them behind the camera, right? They get to see them in a way that they've never seen them before. But what do you, I mean, what's, what's your approach and how do you talk to someone that they're not ready to be in that space yet? Like, how do you, how do you take them there? Cause I think you're, you're, that's the position of a photographer. That's the position of you, you know, sharing your, your story and then relating them for the bigger, the bigger message to tell the world. So um, yeah. How do, how do you take them there when they're uncomfortable to be um, to even get to that space? When I first started, I just wanted to ask people, you know, they knew, they knew my work. So they knew like, okay, if she's taking these pictures of these bigger bodies, clearly she knows the complications we deal with when we say we don't like our pictures or we're not positioned correctly. Um, Now my approach, because people do know my work and those who are plus size to intentionally reach out to me. um, I had a woman who was from Indianapolis and she was like, hey, I heard about you, you know, can you come up here and take my pictures? Like I'm a plus size woman and I need headshots for my job. And and when I come into that space, they already know I'm not judging because I'm not looking at your body like, oh, my God, like, you know, what if you got to take a shirt off and I see, you know, stretch marks or cellulite? I, I know that I live in that body. You know, it may look a little bit different, but I know what goes on there. So I think I create that space of comfort. I also remind them why I'm doing the work. Like, hey, I know what it feel like. And I also I'm just the home girl in the room. Like, you know, I'm still very professional, but I'm like, no, to, come on, sis, come on, bro, turn around. Yeah, you got it. And I think because they know that I'm genuinely doing this work and because they haven't seen someone do photography in this niche area. And I ain't gonna lie, I'm seeing a lot of non-plus size bodies do plus size photography because they see the financial gain. It's a niche market now and everybody wants to do it. But I feel comfort in myself because the people who do come to me, they know that I've been doing this work from the beginning. And now that I have the opportunity to continue to move forward with like a new job to help fund some of this, I'm about to take it to the next level. So to get them in that mindset, I'm like, you're worthy of a picture. I have told people like, you're worthy of a picture and you deserve to capture this moment you supposed to be, I don't know how to pose. I'm going to help you pose. Like when they pose, I'm like, nah, not like that. Okay, move here. Turn a little bit that way. I'm moving here. I'm moving clothes. I'm not just snapping pictures and like you do whatever. And they really see that I'm a part of the experience because I'll be mid-shot. Stop, move a piece of hair. Get your shirt. Hey, you got this here. Hey, you know, I know you may not want your stomach to be out, but you could suck in a little bit if you feel comfortable to do that. Thank you for making me look. I'm not trying to hide the fact that you're big, but I am trying to make sure you look your best at it. I'm not here to be a musician. I, I tell people up front, I don't do a lot of editing when it comes to my photography because I believe you should exist who you are. Now, if it's a, like a, a blemish, like a pimple on your face or, you know, it's a little too shiny in one spot. Yeah, I'll tone that down. But for you, somebody to say, like, can you remove my whole double chin? Like, I'm not the photographer for you because I'm going to make sure you look your best as you exist. But if you're trying to get rid of something, I can't do that. And I think a lot of my clients appreciate that because they're like, wow, that is me, my whole me, but I look good. Yeah. I love that. So, I mean, in talking about this, you know, these, the body shaming that the world can do and then how society portrays um, all different body um, types. Do you feel like there's progress being made? It's slowly happening, but it's almost like a pendulum. Like at one moment, you know, it's it's in the good. Then it swings back to the other side where people have these myths and then those myths are debunked. And then you have certain celebrities who come out and support it. So it swings back and forth. But I think now we're in a more 
body positive space, but unfortunately body positivity is being, fat bodies are still kind of being isolated from that. So now you'll hear fat positivity or fat activism because body positivity has come from when it was supposed to center bodies that are not of standard size. People are now like, oh, you know, I have a FUPA, so, you know, body positivity. It's like, yeah, there's no shame in your FUPA, but we're talking about a person who's over here wearing 20, size 20, who is being shamed for existing. That's the part we're saying include them as well. And it's like, oh, we don't want to include everybody. So we're seeing a lot of fat bodies who are not on the medium or smaller side being exiled from that. Or if you don't have some particular, like a very curvy body, you could be a plus size body, especially for women. But if you have a stomach, that isn't the same. Like you have to have a Coke bottle frame or the number eight figure where you have a super right. small stomach, but you can have big hips. So I, I think it's evolving, but it's still being very selective in who they want to center in these different movements. Well, I think that is, you know, I've seen that in just in, in different all, like whether it's however people are identifying, where they're coming from, their backgrounds. I think there is more of a voice out there, but, you know, we've definitely got to do more work. But I, you know, in, in your opinion, what do you think is the way that our society can eliminate any sort of prejudice towards body size for the people in the future? People be fat. Like I said earlier, people be fat, people be broke, all of that. I, but I think intentionally... It has to be. I taught a graduate course the other night. I was a guest lecturer and, you know, their previous session had ran over a little bit. So it cut into my time. So I was trying to do a lot of information in a short time. So I was respectful of everybody's time. I was like, hey, I know I think it was like eight o'clock. I was like, hey, I know it's eight o'clock. So, you know, we'll wrap this up. If you have questions, email me. So the instructor was like, no, we can stay on if people want to stay on. So out of 15 people, about eight or nine people stayed. Two people identified as plus size like and literally said it because I asked everybody to find their bodies. And then the other was two very tall one was white one was biracial queer men another one was a smaller white woman and i asked them at the end i said well can i ask why did you all stay since you don't hold that identity one of the men was like you know as a queer tall white small man he said i'm here because i have women in my family who are bigger and i never understood their struggle so i never was able to step up but hearing your research now lets me know how i can approach and ask some questions and be an ally um another the other gentleman he mentioned he was like you know my mom has always been plus size and she had surgery and she put our health at risk just because of the world it wasn't you know because she wanted to lose weight because she felt like oh my health is in bad shape she was like she was dealing with the fact that she wanted to look a certain way and then um, another smaller friend, white woman, she was like, my father grew up fat. He got ridiculed for it. So I've never seen my father fat except from childhood pictures. They actually put that against my sister. And my sister is now having adverse reactions as a 40-year-old woman from the way they used to control the way she eat because they didn't never want her to be end up fat because of this fear. She was like, so I used to always judge fat people. She was like, but hearing your work and seeing what's going on, I really have some work to do. So for me in that moment, it's just about being able to re be receptive and being able to teach people who had totally, I, didn't, I don't identify as male, I don't identify as queer, and I don't identify as a, a white woman. But these individuals could see me in my full, you know, fat black woman body and still learn something from it to take back to their own families. And that's what meant the most for me. So I think being willing to be willing to open conversation and having it because had this just been people walking down the street, they would have never stopped and listened to me. But because they had an opportunity to engage with me, I learned about them and where that trauma comes from. And they learned about how it impacts people. So it has to be open dialogue across the board. Yeah. Well, I think that is, I mean, you just, for, what, for everything that you're doing, and I think it's just, you know, something that not only is it one thing to like hear about how we can all do better, but like sharing by example, sharing stories, 
also taking the people along the journey to get them, you know, to see how beautiful they can become. It just, you know, all the things that you do, even from the first time that I met you, um, I just, you know, honestly, I'm just being very honest, Elise, I was very in awe of all the things that you do and you do it with such heart, such energy and to the best of your ability. And then I kind of go back to what you said earlier, you know, if it's like kind of a taking, does it ever take a toll? Cause you'd ever, when you're, you know, how does the balance work when you're doing so much and also being in that, you know, that leadership, that voice position, how, how does Elise keep going? How do you keep going? I have a terrible work-life balance. I am, you know, the typical Capricorn that works, 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 because I know that success doesn't happen overnight. But when I finally get there, nobody can ever say, oh, you just got that out of luck. Like, no, it's a little luck in there, but it took a lot of hard work, so nobody can take that from me. I also come from a place where, just being transparent, I didn't grow up in a household that was super affectionate. Like, our affection kind of is a little bit strange. We know it means love, but it's kind of like the emotional... Um, availability and emotional sense of being there for one another is kind of it's kind of hard like it doesn't look like a typical family you would see on tv so I have had to deal with abandonment issues and people not fully loving me so I always turned into my work because I figure you can never take my work away from me so because of that I'm just letting people know I have I have I still have a terrible work-life balance I would rather be booked and busy than to have idle time because I I'm an overthinker I'm thinking as I think I'm thinking when I sleep, I've always been like that. And so I turned into my work for that. But I will say as the last year, especially when the pandemic hit, you know, no disrespect to lives that were lost. I lost people during the pandemic as well. But I think the pandemic saved my life. And the reason why is because I was at a breaking point where I was trying to do everything. And that was the first time I feel like God was like, you know, the world is shut down. You can't do anything. So I couldn't do no photo shoots. I couldn't go to school. I couldn't do nothing. That was the first time I was able to have to sit there, even though I tried to find other ways to work. But I finally leaned into that. And I was like, you need to rest because professors used to tell me like, Elise, you're going to do all this great work, but you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to be dead. You're never going to see it because you work too hard. And I'm like, shut up. You can never work too hard. Like I'm trying to get where y'all at. But I honestly see what they said, you know, it took a toll on my body. It took a toll on my menstrual cycle. It took a toll on me mentally. Like I used to like grit and grind my teeth because I was always hustling. I get off of work in an eight hour day, go home, pack up my car, take a 30 minute nap, be on the road 15 hours, just to drive to New York to do an hour photo shoot and make less than a hundred dollars to turn around and come back through the middle of the weekend, get to IUPUI at 7.50 at night, go to work, stay at work all day, go to class, leave class, do my assignment, jump on the road, drive back an hour to Bloomington. It's two o'clock in the morning. I got to be right back on campus at 8 a.m. I was doing that for years until the pandemic hit and I will probably be doing it now. So it's a lot of work. You know, when you do your homework at a rest stop, that is some wild shit. Like, (laughs) let me tell you, it's not cool doing it at a rest stop, but I I've been doing this and hustling because of a dream. And you and the worst the worst thing about chasing the dream is you never know if it's gonna work. But if you believe it enough, you will. So I will say have people who can support you and be cheerleaders and go through all that. But it's hard. But I have I burnt out? Yeah, I am not superwoman, but I literally have to say this pandemic saved my life in a lot of ways because it forced me to have time. the reason why I go so hard in the work that I do is because I grew up where I had to experience poverty and you didn't know when your next meal was coming you didn't know if you were gonna be able to pay bills you didn't know if this summer you was gonna have water or light you didn't have both you know some had to get cut off 
So when I've seen that and I had to struggle through that, I worked so hard because you never want to go back to that. Your whole goal is to end generational poverty. So I'm doing homework at rest stops. I'm, you know, sleeping weird. I'm trying to make sure that I can turn five dollars into fifty. So that's that's why I would say the dream is is you never know when it's gonna come true, but you work so hard because you never want to go back to where you come from. So I'm not the best person to get work-life balance advice from, but I do it because I've seen my family not have. And it's like, as long as I got the ability to chase a dream and get it done, I'm going to do it. I read on an article that I found online that you had done for uh, Channel Kindliness, I believe. And they, well, actually, you had said this right after they had commented. They said, she often says she can't be tired if she's working for herself. With that being said, she takes naps, practices constant self-love, surrounds herself with people that care and practices empathy for each person that gets involved with her. And you quote, say, no matter how hard it is, if I can get someone to say, yes, sis, then I feel good. So have you ever had somebody that didn't really, it took them a while to get there before they were like, they really could understand what your mission or like what your purpose was or the story that you were telling, tell us, you know, any kind of like hiccups along the road that it, you know, it took somebody like really didn't understand. And it took a, you know, maybe a journey or some kind of experience until they truly understood or felt good about themselves. The only hiccup that I've had, honestly, and now that you say that, I used to be so paranoid because I'm like, I was waiting for the hate comments. I was waiting for people to say my research was stupid. I was waiting for smaller bodies to tell me to go to the gym. I've only had a few instances where it wasn't people who were like, I've, I've gotten so much love and support. Like in that, that's how I know this is divine work, because even going on four years later, I very, very rarely get people, even smaller bodies tell me this is dumb. I had one lady on Instagram tag me in something a few years ago where it was a young, young person. I think they were 13. And they said they died from being fat. I forgot what the reason was. They were like, this is the work that you're promoting. You're promoting obesity. You're promoting this, this, and the third. And I hate that in my work that I always have to say, like, everybody who's fat is not unhealthy. I get that there's a lot of research around that, but that's not everybody. I'm telling you the story of the larger majority of us who are big, who don't have the same complications that the movies and the news always try to make it seem done. Like I'm not out here drinking supersized pot. I actually, I go through more water than a little bit. I can go through a gallon of water in a day and still be like, oh, okay, this is great. I'm a person who eats more salads than a little bit. I've seen my skin clear up. I have lost weight and like inches, but I have never been one of those people that sit at home eating buckets of ice cream, fried chicken and hamburger. So for y'all to say that, but you'll look at my genetics, you'll see that literally everybody in my family is a larger stature. That's just, none of them will be a size zero. So that was one instance. Another instance was somebody stole my logo and created their own brand with it, but that that ended up getting handled in a mini way. Like social media, if you really got people who rock with you, they tore that person a new ass. And like, I have never <laughs> had a problem with that again. Like my community, when I put out, I was like, hey, y'all, if y'all see this, I don't even, I, it was a long path. I don't even think people read it. They saw that I was saying somebody stole my shit. I'm talking about aunties who in their 50s, uh, young, uh, white, black, Asian, you know, people who I know for a fact I haven't talked to in years. They were on my tent. When they, when I say they, they told that person, and like, they was like, no, you're not doing, she didn't work too hard. And I was like, when you stay true to your dreams, even people who you think aren't inspired by you will show up. And then one of my last ones was that I can think of 
this this person commented on my post when I first started and was like, this is so stupid. I'm a fat person and I think this dumb. Like y'all should just lose weight. I was like, well, you go ahead and you lose the weight first and then let me know, sis. All right, block and delete. Like at that point, because you're not going to do this to people just because you don't understand it. So besides those three small examples of pretty much somebody stealing my brand and trying to run off with my logo and then the other you know, person trying to tell me I'm the reason a 13-year-old person died, I have not gotten a lot of pushback and I'm just really grateful for that. Yeah, well, that's amazing. I think like one of the most important things that, you know, any audience can understand is what your opinion, like what your opinion would be on um, for people moving forward for wisdom and advice to just like how they can treat other people. What would what would you leave people with? Mind the body you occupy. There are things going on in your body, in your life that you would not be okay if you saw it was on the front page of a newspaper or the headline of a social media blog, if it was like, you know, such and such has this issue, you would be like, oh my God, like, I don't want the whole world to know that. And so I say, take that same mindset with someone else's body, just because you see it, you don't know their whole story. You don't know if they, they're that size because they lost weight. You don't know if they're that size because they gained weight. You don't, you know, I had a person who she lost a significant amount of weight and people are like, oh my God, you're looking so good. Like, you, you yes keep losing weight this size look good on, looks good on you but because we've done photo shoots and stuff together she was like oh thanks you know I almost died six months ago on the table when I had a blood transfusion and they almost couldn't resuscitate me and she was like so unfortunately I lost a lot of blood and I also found out I have a daily ailment but thank you for you know noticing I look better I was like well hot damn if that didn't shut them up I don't know what will oh we're so sorry so I always say mind the body you occupy because you don't know what people are going through you don't know what they're going through mentally physically spiritually and you have things about you you wouldn't want the world to know in certain aspects so remember to pay that same respect also be kind to yourself and I know that it's hard you I am probably the wrong person to tell you to be kind to yourself because I am unkind to myself a lot of days when I feel like I can do better but I have intentionally worked to say no how can I be more positive to myself even when the world is literally treating me like trash you know and treating me like you know I don't belong here but at the same time I think a lot of people if you wake up in the morning and you realize that you have another opportunity to seize the day no matter how difficult it is somebody is wishing they had that same opportunity somebody is wishing that a friend a family member a cold they were here to see another day but they lost their life so don't let your body be the reason you don't continue to push for you only get one and you need to treat it like this is your last rodeo so am i saying go throw all the drugs and alcohol in your system not necessarily, but if that's what's helping you live and you having a good time, and you still not being oppressive to people in the world and you're OK and it's just for a good time. Live your best life, because when they throw that dirt over you or they cremate you or wherever you think you're going to go, that's it. Lights out. So why are you going to sit here and say, I make people feel uncomfortable or I let the world make me feel uncomfortable when this is your time to shine? This is everybody's audition. You better do the damn thing until they close the curtains on you. Amen to that. That was that was some. um that was some good word for there, for sure. Um, and where do you think, uh, you know, just everything, where have you been? Like new job, podcasts, you know, wrapping up your PhD soon. Where is this project going to be in five years? Like, what are your plans? Oh, I will hope to be on a multi-country book tour 
speaking to individuals from all over just from a non-academic space it has definitely been informed by academia and my work that I've done but from a non-academic space to chat with your fat homegirl like I just want to be the fat homegirl that comes to a bookstore near you and we have a good old time talking about our experiences and how do we move forward I, I hope that I have won Grammy for a poetry album I'm praying that I have taught a course at a multitude of schools around the fat experience, whether it comes from the racial standpoint, gender, sexuality, you know, socioeconomic status, just all these different viewpoints to look at fat bodies, fat bodies in media. I'm hoping that I'm so well known. Oprah finally answering my emails and we didn't sit down on this big yellow couch. And I'm telling people, welcome to Plus Size Magic Radio. I got Channel 22 on Sirius XM Radio will be plus at home of the Plus Size Magic Radio show where you can tune in at 6 p.m. from 6 to 8 to chop it up with your homegirl sugar where some of the most topics around this uh, conversation is happening on a body image in general. And you just come and have that conversation. I'm praying that I'm giving back scholarships to my community. I'm on college campuses making sure that diversity work is being done. Like I got so much stuff to do in five years. I'll be opening up my headquarters in Detroit where I do the magazine, the podcast and photography in one nice little house area. And I'll just, every time you turn around, I'm going through life, impacting somebody's life from adolescence all the way up to somebody who's 99. Like I want to be all over the place in a bunch of spots. And I'm praying that at that same time, all the experiences and the heartbreak and the upset that I actually experienced help change people's lives. So in five years, your girl's going to be, I'm going to be everywhere. Like the color yellow, they're going to always associate that with Elise Antoinette Smith, period. Yep. That is your brand. You have that on lock. That's for sure. Um, well, I am so honored to have you on this podcast and I have one final question for you. You've been chasing your dreams and it seems every year that things are unfolding for you and how it's come and all fell into your lap. So what would you tell uh, Elise about 10 years ago? What advice would you give her to believe in her dreams? First thing is, oh boy, that show up in 2019, who you used to go to school with, don't don't answer his phone calls. Like, <laughs> like don't <laughs> ever answer his phone calls. If you go get your damn feelings hurt, girl, like don't do that. But then I will also say, but you also learn that you can be loved in your body unconditionally. It just didn't last forever, but appreciate the ride while it's there because some of your insecurities and some of theirs may have prevented that. But that's one piece. But to be honest, I would tell myself, it's okay. You're going to be okay. And some days you're not going to be okay. But you keep hustling. Those nights that it's not paying off, you're going to end up somebody's assistant director before you even get your PhD. Like, you'll be all right. People are not your people are going to support you. And even when you feel like giving up, don't because every time you you every time you keep pushing forward, you've inspired somebody. And what's crazy is you didn't inspire people who don't even have a fat body. They even see the value in pushing forward because they see your work ethic. They see your spirit. Every time you show up, you're trying to do something bigger and better. Also, celebrate your losses. That does not mean no. That just means not yet. So if I could go back and tell at least 10 year old Elise. Like, hey, man, you're going to be the shit. You're going to be wearing some cool-ass suits. You're going to be walking around, like, being an MC for a conference in Bloomington. Like, you, like, it's going to be some cool. Like, people going to love you, but don't get cocky. Stay humble. And I think if I could go back and tell myself that there's a lot of days I wouldn't question myself. But would I change anything? Besides this little spanking-ass heartbreak, would I change anything that happened in my life? Probably not, because I was supposed to be here. And that's how I, this is how I got where I am. So, also, people create you a get balled on list, okay? 
this is not for you to be spiteful, but put people on your get ball on list. So the day that you get enough money to get you a Ferrari, you can do donuts in their front yard and tear their grass up because they shouldn't have been playing with you. So create you a get ball on list. Okay, please do it because I, I got a few people who fighting for the number one spot right now. Oh, well, I have to, I got a few people on my list I could think of as well. That's, that's some good advice. All right. Um, just a few more things before we hop off here. So tell, tell our audience where they can find you, information, social media, so on and so forth. How can we get in touch with Elise? Well, to continue to flourish and your plus size magic, my plus size magic, and anybody else size magic, you can find me on Instagram at Fatness Fiction. That's F-A-T-N-E-S-S-F-I-C-T-I-O-N. That's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'm not too hot on Twitter, but you know, I show up every once in a while. The website is factfiction.com. If you want to find the podcast, it's Plus Size Magic Radio. There is a plus sign in front of the P um, that's very intentional. So, you know, continue to flourish in your plus size magic and find me there on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. If you Google it, it'll show up. Intentionally put the plus sign though. And if you want to just reach me via email, shout out to me at info, info at fatnessfiction.com or visit the website at fatnessfiction.com. You can find everything there, what's going on. You know, some new changes are going to come into play. So right now, because of everything going on, it's a little bit slower being a PhD student's hard. But once this last couple of steps come out, oh, we about to come back out with it real hard and heavy. Okay. All right. Well, I'll make sure we'll put those in the show notes. And when they update in the future, I'll be on with that. So just to finish, is there any, because I know you do poetry. Is there any, say, you can say, totally say no, Lisa, and cut it out. Is there any poetry you can leave us with? Uh, any poetry? You're going to put me on the spot. I got a freeze up. No, but um, some days you'll wake up and your magic will be low. Some days your body won't even ebb and it won't even flow. You'll feel like everything that you ever chase is not here. But guess what, my dear? This is your year. So it doesn't have to be New Year's Eve before you cheers because you're going to have it and you're going to take it away and you know that you belong here. So any day that your magic is feeling low, just understand sometimes you have to go with the flow. That's all I got for you. Oh, I love it. Well, Elise, thank you so much for being with us today. It was a pleasure discussing such important issues with you. And I hope our listeners took something away today. So anyways, you're a dear friend of mine and I, anyway, I can support you in the future, but I just wanted to say thank you so much. No problem. Thank you so much. And keep doing the great work. Let people know that, you know, things are happening out here in the world. So we appreciate you so much for the work that you do from be golden to this and everything else you continue to do to put people on. All right. This is the end of today's episode. Thanks a lot for listening and stay tuned for future episodes. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. And on that note, I wish you all a great day and I'll see you next week.